There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately use in your life or your work. And if I can do anything to help you along your journey, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. And let's open a conversation and explore what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Whether you want to learn more about how to develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused culture in your organization to elicit your team's best. You want to see about joining a Catch Fire online community to stoke your own passion, inspiration, or purpose discovery. Or you'd like for me to speak for your company or, or your conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected and thanks for listening. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Lynn Franks, a change maker, activist, and influencer, among many other designations, designations which also include mother, grandmother, writer, businesswoman, teacher, leader, dancer, wearer of long hair, and so many others, a true Renaissance woman. We'll be talking about the ripple effect she is causing over the course of her long life and career, including a few of the initiatives she is championing to create a more cooperative and flourishing society, as well as the role she champions for women in the society. She joins us today from Wincanton, Somerset in England. Lynn, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. And let's give a shout out to our, our mutual friend, Paul Skinner, who connected us. Thank you, Paul, for bringing this lovely woman to my world. I'm so glad to know you, Lynn. As I said to you before we got, we got on air, I just love going around and searching and seeing all the things that you're up to in life. It's amazing. Uh, it's busy. <laughs> it is busy. It's very busy. It's inspiring. So let's kick off, if we can, with the vision that I found on your website, which I thought was a great place to start. So let me read it for us. You say on your website, my vision is for a world based on cooperation between male and female. As women, we know that the best and most efficient way to get things done is to work together. And that means living and working with men in harmonious coexistence, valuing the perspectives and strengths of both sexes and creating a higher quality of life for all. It must it must also be a world of cooperation between business and community, human beings and the planet, national governments and non-governmental organizations, young and old, spirituality and science, and our inner and outer selves. Oh, that's a gorgeous vision. Yes, and it's a vision I had quite a few years ago and, and hasn't changed a bit. I, I wrote that um, for one of my books, oh, I guess, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's exactly the same now we're still moving towards a world of cooperation i hope but then it's really two stops two steps forward one step back if not two steps back some days i look at the news and i'm like oh let's get there come on guys (laughs) well and that's why you have to keep going right lynn you've got work to do in this planet yet so let's let's keep keep that's the truth of it 
Well, and one of the things that in the work that I get to do, Lynn, it's so I'm so grateful to do this is to help people get more present and aware and discover their purpose so they can live it more fully. Because I know that the world's a better place when we work from our purpose to to really contribute to the world our very best. And so I appreciate all the more what you're up to and wanted to make sure that I shared you with my with my listeners across the globe. That's very kind of you. I'm delighted, as I said, to be here and to talk to your listeners with you because I know we're coming from a very similar place of belief in in heartfelt purpose, not just purpose even, but heartfelt purpose coming from our truth. And what's also great about it, too, in the world that we live in in 2019, with technology being what it is, you're sitting in your your cafe, uh, in your in your in your hub, in your well-being hub, and uh, across the pond in England. And I'm over here in Dallas, Texas, and it's just like you're sitting right next door. It's absolutely extraordinary, and I guess that's the biggest difference that's happened in my life, uh, above and beyond anything else, is technology and what it allows us to do. And the freedom and the opportunities it gives. Uh, I mean, not all positive, but mostly pretty amazing. When mm. I had a PR company, when I started my PR company 50 years ago when I was 20, um, you know, this is like, this, this was sci fi, completely sci fi. Absolutely. Well, and to that end, Lynn, I wanted to present that for our listeners. You have just done so much in your life. And I know prior to the work you're doing now, you did. You founded the UK's best known public relations consultancy, as you say, you know, 50 years ago. Um, And you were responsible for the development of London Fashion Week, as well as many of the top public relations campaigns for high profile consumer brands and retailers until selling your business in, in the 90s. What an incredible ride. I mean, the stuff that you have seen. Can you share a little bit about that world with us? Well, um, it has been an incredible ride. And it's very funny that you, even thinking about it this week because um, there was a British TV show on on Sunday, which I knew I was featured in a little bit, but I wasn't expecting to be quite such a strong element of the show. Um, it was about the history of the store Harvey Nichols, which I in Knightsbridge in London, which is one of our top fashion stores worldwide now, and I did the PR. But they got hold of a load of photographs and film from back in the day, the 70s, and when my children were tiny themselves, and now they're parents of tiny children. And I, I, it was quite an extraordinary <laughs> experience sitting on my sofa this week, looking at myself 30, 40 years ago in that particular world of fashion and PR and and uh, so-called glamour and design it was intense and um, uh, it was fun a lot of fun and uh, it was completely chaotic and as I as you know have kindly not mentioned it was the inspiration for absolutely fabulous for those of your listeners who've seen that be very popular BBC comedy series that was <laughs> made about supposedly made about me or me as the inspiration in the eight, in the 80s and 90s um it was a crazy time um but it was it was a wonderful time as well you know to be innovators and creatives um as a team as i i started my business at 21 and it grew quite rapidly and i eventually did own the the most successful fashion PR company in the UK and indeed at that point even in the world with a large team, 50 young people working for me and pretty much anything that was going on in London town, never mind other cities and other countries, uh, we were involved in or were producing and um, uh, it was was just a wonderful time to be the age we were and to be doing what we were doing and not only just 
um, about fashion, which designers got the best look of the season, but getting involved, which I started to then, with giving back through fashion. I worked with Catherine Hamnett, who designed the wonderful slogan T-shirts that have become world influence that came out in the early 80s. And um, I created with others Fashion Cares, which was a, a big initiative that still actually um, runs through MAC Cosmetics. It's the biggest fundraiser for HIV AIDS in the world. And we uh, did big events around that. And I worked on Fashion Aid with Bob Geldof as part of Live Aid when we got all the fa- top fashion designers together to do a huge event at um, London's Albert Hall um, where fashion for the first time was presented in an entertaining way. I created the British Fashion Awards, which is now so big it's called the Fashion Awards, not even British anymore, that's in England every year. So there were lots of uh, initiatives that started in that period of time that ended up having huge uh, long-term effects that were also about giving back. And um, a lot of the people I worked with, I mentioned Catherine Hamlet earlier, who was my first client, Catherine and others and myself, we're, we're now involved in the whole area of how you can be ethical and responsible in fashion because that's where we're all at now. Um, we don't want to create more landfill. We want to create beautiful eco-clothing that lasts and um, encourage people to maybe spend less and um, be, be less consumers, and, which is kind of so the opposite of, of what we were doing 40 years ago. It's Hmm. You know, Lynn, so I want to call out a couple things if I can for our listeners. And and first, let me just say that so often when I'm out speaking and doing the work that I do, Lynn, I, I come across people who who are really what I like to call asleep at the wheel of life. And so part of what I, 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 I call myself is an anti-undertaker. So my job is to awaken them to the possibilities of their own lives and what they can do. And what I've discovered is that most people really do ache to make a difference, to, to know that their, their lives mean something to other people. And part of the reason I wanted to share you with my listeners is because you are doing just that on so many fronts. And it's just, it's inspiring, it's interesting, and you're still going strong. I think you must be in your 70s, yes? 71? I'm 71. Yeah, I'm 71. I yeah. think that's brilliant. It's smashing. Well, um, it's the way it is. Well, I've got fortunate enough to have my health and my energy and my passion. I've, I'm completely committed to doing everything I can, as always, for for others, for women and girls in the world and for women's leadership and for making the world a better place for my grandchildren. And uh, partly, I have to say, it's because I lost so many close friends, so many amazing women that I was privileged to be close to who have not made it, um, you know, and have passed away. And and I really feel that those of us, us wise women age who have made it through, that is our role now is to really, really build the bridge for the young generations to come. My grandchildren, for example, other people's grandchildren, or as the indigenous grandmothers, the 13 grandmothers who you may well know of, who meet regularly to look at the future of this planet, say it's the seven generations to come. That's our role, really. Oh, I think that's splendid. And so one of the other thing that I want to make sure that our listeners are list- are hearing about you is that you you are an advocate for human rights uh, and the environment and climate. It's just, it's, and then of course, women and girls. And so and one an of the other things. An advocate and an activist. And activist, just, excuse me. That's, that's well, a much stronger word. Yes, I guess, yeah. Um, I'm also, I'm not a believer that we have to create some kind of disaster scenario that our children grow up feeling fearful about. I'm an activist in the way that I feel we need to create positive change, but we need to start a community. And I believe it's women that will be leading that and are leading those community initiatives all over the world, actually. Mm -hmm. 
Well, speaking of that, I came across one thing that I wanted to ask you about on that front, and maybe this is what you're speaking of, but I, I did see that in 1995, you put on what on something called What Women Want at the Center Bank Center in, in London, okay. and you... Right. Okay. And then you also became the UK chair of One Billion Rising, which is, I guess, a global awareness campaign on sexual violence to women yes. and girls. It started by Eve Ensler, the wonderful Eve Ensler, who wrote, who wrote and started Vagina Monologues. It's part of one of her projects, big project, One Billion Rising. Would you say more about that? That is such an important effort, Lynn. Um, well, the I well, I'll start, I'll go back if you don't mind to. Um, what women want because that was a little earlier so there had at that point never been in the uk a big public event since literally the suffragettes where women got together to look about to look at their lives and that was the year of um the last big and the biggest ever anyway women's conference put on by the un and that was in beijing in china at a time when we really were not going to china and every the chinese were nervous of us and we were nervous of the chinese and anyway, we, they put on this enormous conference where I don't know how many countries were uh, represented, but most of the world were there, one way or another, women mostly, to talk about the future. So to make sure that you said in the UK there was awareness, I created What Women Want at the South Bank, which is one of our biggest uh, cultural uh, centres in, in London, um, and took it over and looked at every aspect of a woman's life, and um, from spirituality to as consumer, natural health, sexuality, music. We had a fantastic concert. Um, so that was really uh, that really opened a lot of doors for uh, women having conversations about technology, the future, and and be, as women refugees, it was it was a very important moment that when that year. When that was done, followed up with China and uh, the Women's Conference. So um, moving on, you were asking me about One Billion Rising. So One Billion Rising was an initiative, as I said, set up by the wonderful Eve Ensler, who was the writer for uh, Vagina Monologues and many other uh, great books and plays about women's, um, mostly about women um, as objects of um I won't say objects, women of abuse, uh, stories of abuse against women. And Eva's done an enormous job across the world to bring awareness in of women's rights to their own bodies. She's created fantastic um, uh, City of Joy. It's called a huge centre in the Congo, in one of the most dangerous areas for women in the world, where women who had been abused very badly, perhaps lost their family, thrown out by their community, come together and get healed physically and learn new skills and could become part of a community. So she's doing amazing work. And One Billion Rising uh, was an idea of hers to do um, every February or across the world uh, as a V-Day initiative to really create through song, dance, culture, um, speech, spoken word, uh, an awareness that one in three women and girls across the world are sexually abused and, and violently abused. So I became the chair of that, having been a friend of East many years, and we created some big events across London over a number of years um, until I came to live outside London, where I am now. But they have um, had a huge effect on many countries across the world, the whole one billion rising movement. It's fantastic. So I'm a big, big believer in that. We need to, we need to talk about these things. We don't hide them away, and we need to come together women and men um, to support these these conversations and say no more, it has to stop. So that's part of some of the things I've done. 
It's brilliant, Lynn. It's just brilliant. It's it's inspiring. It's encouraging. And I definitely wanted to be able to have you showcase some of these important initiatives that you're working on because I want others to be involved too and to continue to carry your torch. So another reason I wanted to have you on the air with me. So thank you for that. And with that, let's grab our first break, Lynn. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Lynn Franks, a changemaker, activist, and influencer. She's recently opened a well-being hub in Somerset called Hub at Number 3, the Sea Cafe, and her lifestyle store, Shop at Number 4. She, she joins us today from Wincanton, Somerset in England. We've been talking a bit about her long life and what she's been doing to contribute to the world. We'll continue the conversation after the break. Stay with us. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Lynn Franks, a changemaker, activist, and influencer. She wrote the international bestseller, The Seed Handbook, which served as the inspiration for Seed, her global women's leadership platform. She continues to lead a number of international advocacy campaigns on human rights and environment. She is currently living in Wincanton, Somerset, where she has an opened a well-being hub, The Seed Cafe, and her lifestyle store, Shop at Number 4. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So speaking of all of that, what I just said about what you're up to here, Lynn, I, I want to talk about what you've what you're doing here currently. So first let me say that I, I noticed that in two thousand, after you did sell your UK business, you wrote the Seed Handbook. It's the fir- it was the first book in the world focusing on women starting their own sustainable businesses and that you created Seed, which stands for Sustainable Enterprise and Empowerment Dynamics, a women's business and leadership platform. Tell us where the idea came from, if you would. Where did the idea for the book come from? And then, of course, this this platform. Um, I, I had sold my business, as you'd mentioned, and um, I had become very involved in women's initiatives, as we previously talked about putting on what women want in the UK and um, getting involved as a spokesperson on women's leadership and women's business all over the world. And I became very aware that there was, because uh, I work, I'm very intuitive as women so often are, and I work as a futurist, and I could see that there were going to be more and more women leaving the corporate world and starting small initiatives, literally from their kitchen table around their children's availability. They wanted to be more independent. The values that most women have were not really resonating with the values of some of the big companies they work for. So I saw this happening and I felt there really wasn't a book anywhere and I was living in the United States at the time so I was searching there too where women starting small businesses like that based on values, based on spiritual values quite often um, were really creating business from a feminine perspective. Um, there wasn't a book really to serve that so I wrote it while living in California. I was running a PR business there from Los Angeles and San Francisco and so I was really basing it on my experiences while there. And the book came out simultaneously 
across the English-speaking world in March um, 20 years ago, to come next March. And uh, that is uh, very exciting for me that it's 20 years since it came out and it's just been published in Kazakhstan, in Russian, in Kazakh and Pashto, which is an Afghani dialect, which the Kazakh government, not, not exactly the Kazakh government, but the, the President's Foundation want to use as a leadership tool for young, particularly for young Afghani women and young Kazakh women. So that, that's phenomenal for me that that is literally just happening now, even now, 20 years later. And um, so Seed became, from a book, uh, a whole um, whole lot of content which has much worked on women's personal development and sense of self-esteem and self-belief as it did on how to write a business plan. And the book became, um, as I said, sort of turned into a modular system by... Um, various universities or in collaboration with various universities and the British government and got delivered uh, in various forms all over the world, post-war Bosnia, in African villages, in in uh, corporate in the corporate world and still is being delivered actually um, and always being um, added to. But the reality is that the original seed handbook from 20 years ago is as relevant today as it was then and apart from the fact there would be a bigger chapter on social media than there would have, would have been then. Um, I have women coming up to me constantly or writing to me saying that they bought that seed handbook 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and it literally changed their lives. Um, that's how they started their business. That's how they started seeing how they could live a life that was true to themselves professionally and personally, So, which is fantastic. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that it has been of service that way. So now we're relaunching because it is Seed 2020 in March, uh, internet, around International Women's Day on March the 8th. So we're relaunching uh, an online, we have an online community, but it's going to be much more active with um, more learning opportunities with me using the seven archetypes I've been developing, the power of seven feminine archetypes that I think are in all of us and how we resonate and strengthen the weak and and work with the strong uh, that's another conversation possibly we'll have a bit later but um, we're also looking at seed as a kite mark so that um, women who join the seed community can use the fact that they are a member of seed to indicate they are an ethical women's-led business with um, values along the lines of the other women like-minded women who are members of seed and will work together and will be able to barter or um, cooperate in different ways around the world. So that's there's a big plan for Seed going forward, which I'm very excited about, which we can catch up with a little later. Well, we can we can grab that now. That's that's I think that's the what I was talking about when the, the female leadership the concept that you're developing. And I was intrigued with the the pods or circles of seven. Is that what you're talking about, Lynn? Yes, circles okay. of seven. The PODs, as you quite rightly say, which um, is an acronym, for, I love acronyms, uh, for power on demand. So the PODs of seven um, are, I've been for workshopping and using them now for the last three years, work incredibly well with a different member of the pod taking uh, a different role, if you like. And the roles are based on seven archetypes, um, which are also in in each of us, I believe. So would you like me to go through them? Yeah, I, yeah, I would. I, I grabbed them a little bit here um, when I was doing some research on you, but please go for it. I think that they're quite interesting. Um, thank you. So they are not necessarily in any order, although the first one I always say is the seed sower. The seed sower is the creative part of ourselves, the idea 
the, the part of us that creates the ideas, um, that looks at what what a life of purpose actually looks like, and, and creating various visioning tools can can start bringing that together. So that's a seed sower. The second archetype is uh, again not in this order necessarily, but it kind of works. Is the alchemist. The alchemist is the producer, the one that makes it happen, uh, the strategist. Then there is the storyteller, which is, uh, as it says, the story, story telling your stories and telling other stories. But it's also about how we tell our own story. All of these actually start with self and then move outwards to working with a group of seven. So when I talk about storyteller... And when I coach and uh, and uh, facilitate workshops on it, it's all about let's write our own story uh, from a positive perspective. And is it a tragedy? Is it a soap? Is it a love story? You know, what is what is that? And then the storyteller becomes, if, if you like, the sort of external taking the tale out to others. Um, the another one of the archetypes is the sky dancer. The sky dancer is the the tantric relationship builder. The the, the uh, that side of ourselves that is all about relationships but if we're working with a group it's the one that brings in the partners it's from a place of grace it's from a place of um, um, uh, generosity it's not this is my business card give me yours it's a place of absolute grace and, and enjoyment of bringing people together the next one is Space Weaver which is the creative the one that creates the internal space but also the external space for the group or for yourself that is full of beauty and, uh, and inspiration. Um, then there is the medicine woman. Medicine woman, in when it's about yourself, is obviously about your well-being um, because we can't do anything at all for others or ourselves if we don't look after our well-being. But then it's also the well-being of the project, the well-being of the group. And finally, it's the wisdom keeper, which is um, that side of ourselves or that member of the group that makes sure that whatever the project is or whatever the conversation is, that the values, the core values stay central. So however the, however the project, perhaps from the seed sower, has evolved, maybe it's not exactly the same as it was started off on the journey of manifestation, but it is very much um, still based on the same values. So that's... That's the seven. I think that was seven I went through. <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. captured as well. So, Lynn, a couple of questions, if I may, about that. So, these, these archetypes types are these something that you've discovered, or you've found them someplace? Um, I discovered. I really. Uh, I mean, some of them exist. Some of them, uh, you know, some they're just phrases. But I, def- I brought them together. I came up with the ideas, and then started workshopping them to see how they worked as a small group, as a pod. Mm-hmm. And then is the idea, because as you know, I create my own workshops too, and, and from my from my own thinking and, and research too, so I'm very intrigued with what you come up with. Is this the idea, these different archetypes, I think you said that they're in all of us, but maybe what I'm hearing is we maybe tend to play to one more so than the other, depending on the situation? Um, yes, precisely that. Interesting. Uh, and some of them, are, and whatever the situation, we are stronger than others. I mean, you know, or say that we want to take care of the world, but we don't remember to take care of ourselves. So it's different aspects. And if we, as I said earlier, if we don't look after ourselves, how can we ever look after anybody else? But I think a lot of people, a lot of women especially, want to go out and be the carers um, almost as a way of uh, denying the need for care themselves or being in sacrifice or being the martyr, playing another archetype altogether. So it's very important that we can be 
feel those archetypes inside our ourselves and our personal life um, and our inner life. Um, and at the same time, we can take one of those that we resonate with, perhaps within one particular situation the most, um, and be part of a group where we're all taking different roles. Or not. I, I always give the groups a choice. They, can, they don't have to be just one archetype. They could just be aware of all of them as they work together in a group of seven. Mm-hmm. And why seven, Lynn? Because I spent a lot of time setting up women's circles over the over the last 20 years and I just found that seven seemed to resonate for me as the right number even though it's odd it wasn't too small it wasn't too big and one of the problems of setting up um, which is where the thought originally came from in women's circles is that there's always none of us have time we don't have time for anything and it's so easy to say oh yes it's great we've all love each other and we want to meet regularly and then when it comes around it's it's you know there's always something else that's come up sometimes very genuinely of course where you can't make it now if you have a role in that group even if you can't make a particular gathering or even an online gathering you still have that responsibility so that's why I started thinking about it and how it came up really mm-hmm. and tell us how the how the online community works well the online community exists at the moment seednetworkingforwomen.com but I'm um, about to change that and relaunch in March as a membership uh um, platform and a community where we will have seed as a kite mark so if you have a business whether it's online or a bricks and mortar business um, if you if you feel that you want to be living your life and your business according to the values of seed which are the values of all of us it's integrity and freedom and um, love and many others courage wisdom uh, if we all, if we're working on the same principles as each other, then site, uh, then seed becomes a kite mark to represent that you are an ethical women's-led enterprise, and that way we can work with each other and find each other, and also for the outside world, say these women, you know, they walk, they're taught, they're an ethical business. So if anybody, any of your listeners are interested in being part of that ongoing platform and movement, which we're literally launching around International Women's Day in March next year, but we are going to be having a pre-launch special um, offer of almost nothing <laughs> for the first few months uh, as we build our community. If, if anybody wants to just join seednetworkingforwomen.com, we will, will then have your contacts and you will be on our mailing list as one of the first people we will be offering uh, almost for free, as I say, to be a member for the first three months as we build. So that's um, that's where we're going with it. And it's very, very exciting. We've got a lot of people that are going to be part of it. We're going to have Seed TV where I interview, like you are here really, um, interview extraordinary women and we might do some men. I haven't decided yet, but we'll certainly be doing some extraordinary. I meet such extraordinary women all the time, so I am. we will be featuring them and featuring activities here at the Hub, whether it be healthy cooking lessons, you know, detox cooking lessons from the people we work with to and some music. We have fantastic musicians working here. Um, and so we're doing that. There's going to be learning opportunities with me. And I guess the biggest thing is about community, getting together. Maybe you feel that you're a storyteller, not you personally, at least, but I mean, if one is feels that storyteller, so you might want to join the storyteller group, which is part of the seed community. So it's going to be very active. And we're also going to be giving percentage back to help buy seeds literally 
to uh, grow vegetables for women in the poorer communities around the world who need to grow the vegetables to feed the children and the grandchildren. So there's a, a, a very strong give back side of it all as well. It's delightful, and I will be joining for sure. Thank you so much for that, Lynn. I'm so glad we got to talk about that. So I'm definitely in, and I'll just bet a few of our listeners will be be joining us as well. So let's grab our our next break if we can. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Lynn Franks, a changemaker, activist, and influencer. She's recently opened a well-being hub in Somerset called Hub at Number 3, the Seed Cafe, and her lifestyle store, Shop at Number 4. She joins us today from Wincat in Somerset in England. After the break, we're going to hear more about her TED Talk some of the other things that she's up to today. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Lynn Franks, changemaker, activist, and influencer. She wrote the international bestseller, The Seed Handbook, which served as the inspiration for Seed, her global women's leadership platform. She continues to lead a number of international advocacy campaigns on human rights and environment. She is currently living in Wincanton, Somerset, where she has opened a well-being hub, The Seed Cafe, and her lifestyle store, Shop at Number 4. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Lynn, uh, now that I've just got you for a little bit of time left, one thing I definitely want us to cover is your Wise Women TED Talk. I so terribly enjoyed watching and listening to that. And there were a few things that stood out. First, how did you, how did you, how was it that you got to do a TED Talk? Oh, um, the person that was putting that particular one on in London was asked me. (laughs) I know a lot of people and I get asked to do a lot of speaking all over the place. I suppose so. Yes. Well, which is exactly how how you came up in, in Paul's conversation with me. So, so a few things for our listeners that I, I think really bear repeating. One is that you said in that TED talk that the Dalai Lama said the world will be saved by the Western woman. So mm-hmm. taking loving care of the planet and all its its people. That's quite an interesting idea. Would you say more about that and where that came from? Um, it was a quote from one of his interviews, actually. Already, I think some years ago now, maybe five, six years ago, maybe a bit less. No, it must have been because I did that talk in 2012. So, um, yeah, it was about eight years ago, nine, ten years ago. Um, and uh, I, it's very interesting that he said that. It's been quoted a lot by other people as well. Um, and I think it makes sense. It, it, it does make sense. We're in a very powerful position, us women of the West, um, to to create change on behalf of the generations to come. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing I think that we women do think of more than the men. I really believe that. You know, the men, it's very much about the moment and power in the moment, current time. And I think as women, whether we're mothers and grandmothers or not, but I just think that as women, we do um, think about the generations to come 
and mm. that's why we have this role to play as leaders in the future of this of this crazy world we live in and try and create a place of peace and love. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll share with you, Lynn, I was in India in December 2014, and I had the most amazing experience being out in public, and I remember distinctly, I passed by several groups of um, school uh, girls, school children on a field trip at some one place that I'd been in. And they literally were, you know, waving at me and, and I felt like I was a rock star. And I asked my tour guide, why are they, why are they reacting to me like that? And they said, well, they respect you um, as, a, as a Western woman. And I thought, well, that is really, really quite compelling. So to your point, I think there, maybe we, there is a lot we can do as Western women. And I certainly stand for, for, for being part of that movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that you said in your talk that I, I thought was quite quite interesting too is you said that the Mayans say that uh, the year that you gave that talk, 2012, started the change from masculine to feminine power. Mm. Yes, even the ma- even the male leaders, the Mayan male leaders, said when that happened, that 2012. Um, I can't remember what it was now. It must have been something very significant. It was when they were mm. foretelling change of time. Um, then yeah, well, the women will. The women. It's been foretold by many, many different people that when we move into a more feminine um, leadership mode, whether it be men or women, or a leadership mode based on love. I mean, it's just common sense. If we can get out of this greedy, power crazed world that we live in, when it's all about the money and it's all about the ownership, um, we can move to a place which is about you know good for all. Men, women, children, all sentient beings on this planet, the, the na- nature itself, the environment, we can create a world that we all want to be part of, then that's when we will have some, then we will have a future. Right now, uh, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not looking too good. So we really have to create change. Well, I'm very encouraged by something that I've been following, Lynn, that you probably have caught wind of, but the Business Roundtable in August declared that the the new purpose of of an organization is not just to serve shareholders, but rather to serve all stakeholders, which includes employees, suppliers, um, the community itself, the environment even. And, and of course, it's caused quite a big uproar, too, and people saying, we can't possibly be in business for all those reasons. And But I find it encouraging that, that they've taken a stand on that, at least. It's maybe heading toward that direction. I find it encouraging, but I'm also amazed it's taken so long. Yes. I mean, yes, I've well. I've been part of, of many business organizations in the last 40 years who have been saying the same thing about it's all about stakeholder um, responsibility and commitment and involvement and so you know really that that's a comment that should have come out years ago mm, what is agreed. this about really what is it just about the bottom line in which case why bother <laughs> because it's well, just you know a few people becoming very very rich or a lot of people having quality safe life quality of life and a safe life um, you know the end of all the wars the end of the killing of innocent children it's just horrible what we human beings have done and it is time we sorted it out agreed and i know you're definitely part of that movement and and i am too um and that was another thing that you said in your in your talk that i just thought was delightful and you said at at 64 i finally learned what i'm going to be when i grow up and i celebrate the power of the crone i just thought that was so delightful i appreciate that so much about you well i'm now 
how many years older? Mm. I'm now eight, nine years older than I was then. And I'm still celebrating the power of the crone. I'm still having a wonderful life. I still go to music festivals. I go dancing with my grandchildren. Um, you know, it's it's. A, I am very, very happy that I have was born as a baby boomer and have lived the life I have. I've gone from everything from being, you know, a teenager at the first Beatles concert right the way through to still living in Somerset near Glastonbury Festival, which is the biggest music festival in the world, still there jumping up and down to whatever bands are playing. Life is good. Um, even though the world is harsh to many, I am certainly grateful every day, that mm-hmm. I give thanks every day. I've been practicing Buddhist. I have been on and off for 40 years and that opportunity to do my prayers and give thanks every day is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is so important. I know that from the work that I do too. And um, another thing, by the way, I, I just have to know, I don't know anything about this, but you have a, I don't know how to say that, if you say an OB or an OB designation after your name? It's an OBE. It's OBE. A, yes, it's an officer of the British Empire, which is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, the <laughs> OBE is, has become very, very or any honours given by the Queen are taken very seriously in this country. So I got that about a year or so ago, um, which represents, well, they gave it to me for my work for women's empowerment and my contribution to business and my contribution to the fashion industry. But I was particularly proud of the women's um, empowerment aspect of this. Mm. And I would think I was the first person, there have been several since, that have been given an honour based on the work I've done to support women, which is great. And Prince Charles actually gave it to me. Um, and uh, that was lovely too. I mean, he's a nice guy. <laughs> <He's watched laughs> has done huge amounts of work um, behind the scenes to support women's initiatives because I've met her and a few of them. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting that I was in, I worked a little bit with his first wife, Princess Diana, because she was very involved with the fashion industry while she was alive. And then years later, I'm working with his second wife on women's empowerment. Um, and so that's been an interesting journey. And, uh, yeah, it was lovely to get the OBE. Real honor over here. It's wonderful. I had I wanted to make sure we talked about that because it certainly is something to celebrate in terms of talk about living a wonderful and big life that it's mattering to other people. It's just it's it's an indication of that. And I really applaud that, Lynn. It's beautiful. Yes, thank you. So I'm still having a wonderful time and um, the hub here is really the bricks and mortar aspect of a much bigger, uh, as I've said earlier, a much bigger concept for SEED, which I love the way you describe it. It absolutely is a global women's leadership platform. That's exactly what it is. And uh, for women to help other women all over the world. And um, I'm very excited that it's taken me 20 years of having this. I, I mean, this was the idea when I wrote the book. And now 20 years on, and uh, it's there and, and particularly relevant. I know you're a global TV show, but it was very exciting for me that I launched the book of the United States in Bloomingdale stores. So I thought I'd mention that because um, so many of your listeners are American. So when uh, when the book came out, I, uh, it was um, promoted through all the windows of the Manhattan Bloomingdale's and I had the launch party there. And then I did workshops on on the shop floor, on the st- across Bloomingdale stores across the country. And uh, that was because I met the right people and they loved the idea of a book about women entrepreneurs. And they featured the products and the fashions that they sold that were done by women, made by women entrepreneurs. And so I just sort of mentioned that for the American mm. market, that uh, it, had a, it had a huge impact in windows in Bloomingdale stores all over the country, actually. It's just really wonderful. 
It is wonderful. And I also want to call out for our listeners just that just what you said, it took 20 years for this to all come to the full fruition that you had envisioned some time ago. And so I really want to encourage all of us to stick with our dreams. Don't let them go. Stick with them yeah. and and see what happens. And so to that end, um, just we've got a little, bit, a little bit of time here left, Lynn. I want to hear more about this. I've never heard of a well-being hub before. So when I first talked with you, I didn't quite understand what you were saying. So would you help our listeners understand this hub that you're talking about? What's all involved? Okay, so I, I moved to this small town. I don't even know how I got here, really. Um, it's a lovely old town in Somerset where I hope some of your listeners will visit me uh, and see for themselves. We're sort of halfway between Stonehenge and Glastonbury. Um, and uh, it was a pub, there was a pub next door, a rather seedy, not very nice public house, traditional public house. And so I thought a bit naively, really, that I would buy it, rebuild it, because it's a very, you know, these two buildings are both 1,500 and something, 1,600 and something, you know, five, 600 years old. Um, But I would rebuild it as a centre, as a hub is really means, you know, it's a centre for uh, well-being. And so we have a vegetarian, vegan cafe. We have... um, uh, treatment rooms where we have different specialists in different areas of healing coming and working and we have a big workshop room upstairs where we do all kinds of workshops sound healing um, and um, I do my workshops on women's leadership and then we also have a number of bedrooms which are very nurturing and eco-friendly and uh, we have a lot of particularly women they're done in vintage style there's no tv in the room it's like really relaxing the most comfortable mattresses and two vases and pillows we could find so we have people coming down to recharge basically so they come down they have a massage they may hear a lecture they might come to one of our women's gathering dinners that we do here regularly um and really and spend time with me and look at life purpose again it's back to that purpose so we give them the opportunity to create visions of their life using the tools that we have here whether it be vision seed posters or whether it be other uh, exercises and uh, uh, learning programs that we've developed over the years and so that that's how it's become this we, it's not exclusively for women we have a currently a male chef and we have men and women of course in the cafe and we have wonderful music nights and party nights but the people that come and stay for the retreats and the workshops generally are women and um, they tell me all of them that they don't even want to get out of bed in the morning it's so comfy and they're so relaxed and so nurtured so I'm very happy about that and it, and it represents we've got um, I've had painted all over the walls some of our um, um, points from the seed handbook originally, which is like believe in yourself. I, I see points. They're part of the seed manifesto. Believe in yourself and others will too. Abundance, uh, manifest abundance in every area of your life. Um, there, are, there are a number of uh, seed um, slogans and affirmations that I wrote 20 years ago and are now all over the seed cafe because we haven't even been open a year yet and uh, it's very beautiful and everybody that comes in man woman child and dog says how relaxed they feel once they come inside even just for a cup of coffee everything's organic with coffees the teas and so on so it's it's kind of part of my dream come true it wasn't my intention i ended up here really by mistake i ended up buying next door without thinking it through properly and uh, i had homes over the years i had a home in mallorca spain for a long time and I had places in England, and somehow I ended up selling them all and just moving to this little town, which is really good for me because it's there's five, six thousand people here, and I can really contribute and take my ideas of community and collaboration 
and women's leadership into reality in this one little town, which is already happening. And myself, together with other um, women, particularly women of the town, have created a craft market. We're creating um, uh, cross-generational mentoring programs here for the senior elders, Elderly, not just the elderly, but to work with the teenagers on uh, creativity and nutrition and cooking. Um, So that's all going through at the moment. So lots of things have changed here, um, which I'm able to do and be part of. So we we call it the Wincanton Seed Market um, because it came out of my dream for seed in the first place 20 years ago. And now I'm actually living the dream in this little town. And if I can see how things can happen and change here in a town that was not traditionally led by women, we now have a woman mayor, which is wonderful, um, then we can replicate this and we can tell our story and other towns can pick it up and take it on as well. We're looking at rewilding, planting trees, um, making a butterfly meadow, we're up the road. We're looking at a lot of things here as a small community, a mixed small community. And if we can do it, and other communities and towns have done it brilliantly too, then we can show what can be done to change things at the grassroots, literally at the grassroots. That is so beautiful. And we're out of time here, but I have to tell you, I am coming to visit. So look out, Lynn, because I have been known to drop in on my on my guests that are coming to my show when I'm out and about traveling across the globe. So leave my room um, available for me, will you please? Certainly will, and I look forward <laughs> to seeing it for yourself. Um, um, so I want to thank you so much for joining us, Lynn. I know you are a very, very busy woman, and I really, really appreciate you sharing your beautiful heart and soul with me and my listeners. Thank you for that, and thank you again, Paul, for connecting us. Thank so you. listeners, if you, if you want to learn more about Lynn Franks and all the amazing array of things that she's up to, start with Lynn, lynnfranks.com. That's L-Y-N-N-E franks.com. You can also go to her um, hub at number three dot com um, website. That's her hub she's talking about. It's h u b a t n o three dot com. And then finally, she already mentioned the seed networking for women dot com. That's the the online community that I'll also be joining as well. Check all those sites out if you will. It's great stuff happening there, and I'm so glad that we get we have a way to see in touch with you. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Dr. James Pogue talking about unconscious bias and how we can more quickly learn to become aware of it in ourselves and others for a more fulfilling and enlightened life and work experience. Next week, we'll be on the air with Jim Cornelson talking about the work he is doing in EOS, which stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. See you there. Remember, that works at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.